Well, good morning, gentlemen. It's good to see all of you back for week two of Ironman. Last week, we got started off strong. It was, it was amazing. It was good to see everyone in here. We filled up this room, and then at the uh, later service, the PM class at 6.30 PM, we actually doubled the size in this room, and it was pretty chaotic, but uh, very exciting. You know what this shows me is that we have a lot of men in our church that are hungry after the Lord and hungry after growing in Him. And I mean, that, that's good. That's what we need in our church is more godly men that are willing to submit their lives to Christ, to grow in relationship with one another and grow in relationship with God. I saw a news article this past week about a woman who was scrolling through Facebook and she found a photo of her husband with another woman. And so she grabbed a knife and went after her husband and started attacking him. He fought her off, was able to remove the knife from her, called the police, the police came and arrested her. And later on they found out that it was actually just an old photo of her and her husband together. <laughs> that she had completely forgotten what she looked like. Her husband hadn't changed much at all, but she had undergone some changes, I guess, over time and, and forgotten what she looked like. And the funny thing is, and this is what the life of, this is the curse of being a, a, you know, a pastor, Mark, Mark will tell you this when you're teaching all the time, everything's an illustration. Doesn't matter what you're reading, how does this fit in? And I actually had this, had this picture of uh, what, what, what is found in the book of James, where in the book of James it says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. That's good, isn't it? That what James is saying is sometimes you and I even can wake up, we can look in the mirror and then walk away and forget who we are, what we truly look like. And this is something I believe that the enemy tries to do in each and every one of our lives. I believe that every single day, he wants to convince you that you are not who God says you are, that you are no different, that you haven't changed. And so many times we'll look at ourselves, we'll be reminded like you will be today of who you are in Christ, a man of integrity, a man of character, a godly man who God is continuing to form and shape, but it's easy to walk away from that and to fall into the trap of forgetting what you actually look like. So as we open up God's word today, and as we look at these truths, uh, I want us to begin just by opening up in prayer. Let's ask God to speak to us during this time. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for each man in this room, that you woke them up this morning, that you got them here. Lord, I know it is not by mistake that they are here, it's by design. And Lord, I believe that you have big plans for their lives, Lord, to continue to mold them and shape them to be more like you. So Holy Spirit, we pray during this time that you would speak to each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. 
We've got a chair front and center right here. <laughs> Welcome. We're glad to see you. Sorry. Uh, so right, right there. Uh, anyways, we, um, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is our theme scripture throughout this whole Iron Man study that we're doing called Handiwork, that you and I are God's handiwork. But it's hard to believe that sometimes, isn't it? That God is actually molding you and shaping you to be the man of God that he has called you to, to, to be. He has created you anew. He has prepared good works for each and every one of us in the room. And so today's study, we're going to talk about the character of the man that God uses. That's the title of today's message. That as God shapes us and as he molds us, he makes us men of integrity, men of character, and he's constantly working in and through our lives to accomplish his great purpose. This is good news. But again, many times we can look at ourselves in the mirror. We can forget who we are. We find ourselves not cooperating with that work. And so I want, us to, I want to paint a picture of what a godly man looks like, what it looks like to be a man of integrity, but you know, more importantly, how do we become the man that God has called us to be? And it doesn't matter how old you are. This is something that can be applied at any age as we self-reflect, as we look at how God has created us, who he aspires for us to be, and who we can be in him. And so in 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28, it says this, that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. This is good news. <laughs> this is really good news, you know, that he didn't choose you because of how perfect you are, because of, you know, how good looking you are, how gifted, how talented you are. He chose you because he knew that he could take nothing and turn it into something. He could take you who is ordinary and make you extraordinary, extraordinary. And that is what God is known for. Throughout the Bible, God has taken normal, everyday men, just like you and I, and he's made that which is very, very normal, basic, and turned it into something extraordinary. And I could give you, you know, instance after instance, story after story of God doing this with men. And so if you're ordinary in the room, like I am, right, that's good news. Because God can do an incredible work in and through your life. But how does that accomplish how can we make sure that, that God does something like this? And what it boils down to is having a responsive heart that is ready to hear God and a life that is available to obey God. And we're gonna continue to move forward and see that. Also, each of these men, they possess the integrity to honor God. Before God can trust you with the thing that God has destined you to do, you have to have the integrity and the character to be able to sustain it. Without that character, without that integrity, 
You can have all the giftedness and the Holy Spirit can do an incredible work in and through you, but you can find yourself like many pastors, like many men do, fallen. Marriage is destroyed, ministries destroyed, businesses fallen. Many times guys, you know, good guys that you, you would like, you'd wanna be around, end up in prison because they didn't pay their taxes or their business had some sort of inner working, some sort of shadiness that was in the darkness that created a, a big underlying problem. And now they're bankrupt or their marriage is in shambles because we have to be willing to be men of integrity, allow God to do that work in and through each and every one of us. Without that integrity, without it in char uh, inter uh, character, we become a sinking ship. It's like building a house upon the sand is what Jesus says to us. So talent and ability are not a prerequisite to being used by God. And that's, like I said, very good news. I've never felt like I'm the most talented person in the world, definitely not the smartest at the table, but I love God. And he's been very gracious in my life. I definitely have not lived a perfect life. Definitely many times do not think I'm, I'm someone that has great integrity and great character. But over time, in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, allowing God to convict me and allowing God to mold me and shape me, over time, he's given me these opportunities to be able to stand up and to preach his word and to teach men about him when I can very well feel unworthy of doing that you may feel the same way. And whatever God's asking you to do, you may feel like, you know what? I'm just normal, I'm ordinary. I don't know that I have the talent. I don't know that I have the ability. But we remember that God takes the ordinary, makes it extraordinary, and he wants to build character and integrity in you to be able to sustain the things that he's called you to do. So what are some of the qualities of good character? We're gonna look at those. But before we look at these qualities, I wanna call out a few verses that can help prepare you to have these types of qualities. Psalm 51, 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. That's what God's looking for, to build into you the integrity, the character. He's looking for a broken and contrite heart. In Jeremiah 17, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. God is searching for, for men of character. He's looking for people that are willing to open up their lives and say, you know what? I'm not perfect. I know I have sin in my life. Holy Spirit, examine me. Just like we're willing to go see the doctor and, and have a checkup. You know, and, and they'll look at all the different things. We get blood work done and, and other things, and, and we're just trying to make sure that our bodies physically are where they need to be to continue to be healthy. We also need to lay ourselves out before the divine physician and allow the Holy Spirit to have that kind of work in our lives. And th this is what it looks like. The Psalmist David in 139, 23 through 24 says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. You see the position of his heart? To, to open himself up, 
to lay bare to him my mind, my heart, my will, my motives, my desires, all that I am, God, I lay it down in front of you. And I say, God, nothing's off limits, nothing. You can address whatever you need to address. And then God begins to build something in us. He takes those broken, fragmented pieces, our sin, all of our shames, our shortcomings, our failures, and he begins to instill in us good things driven by his Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10, it says, because of God's grace, I am what I am, and his grace was not wasted on me. No, I have worked harder than all the other apostles, but I didn't do the work. God's grace was within me. One more thing I want us to point out before we look at these godly characters is that God does the work inside of us. It's by his grace. We can't do enough good things it really takes, it's kind of a paradox, this, 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 this verse is, you know, because you look at it and you think to yourself, okay, there's, there's some cooperation, there's something that we do. It's, it's dependent on us, but it's really dependent on God. And that's the truth, that we're in cooperation with the work of the Holy Spirit. But if we begin to think for a second that, it's, that we're doing better than the next person, that we've done enough good deeds, then we'll become legalistic and we'll be shaped into the wrong type of person. We have to understand that we're, the only reason we're anything is because of God's Holy Spirit and the grace and the work that he's doing in our lives. So now that we've laid that foundation, all right, grace is the foundation, cooperation, obedience, all of those things, now let's look at what it is to be someone that has good character, a man of God. The first one is holiness. Holiness means to be set apart and separate. Prophet Isaiah had a picture, a glimpse into heaven of the, whole, the, the angels in heaven, heaven's host saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Our God is holy. He is set apart. There is none like him. But the Bible says that he makes us holy. Turn to somebody next to you and say, you are holy. <laughs> that makes you feel weird, doesn't it? Just doing that kind of, ugh, I'm holy? That just, I can't believe somebody told me that. I didn't wake up today thinking I was gonna hear that. It makes you feel uncomfortable because you look at your life and you think, no, I'm, I'm not. And there's just something about that that just doesn't resonate with me. But this is the work that God has done in your life. You're not holy because of, you know, who you are, what you've done. You're holy because of his grace and the fact that he has set you apart from the rest of the world for his kingdom's purposes, for, for his, the works that he's done in your life. That's how you're set apart. He's holy because he's made you that way and he's called you out to be set apart. The next thing is a pure heart. I remember when I was shopping for an engagement ring for my wife, we were very young and I had this much money. I mean, just nothing. 
Uh, I was working nights as a security guard from 11 o'clock at night till seven in the morning, making $10 an hour. And they always said that the ring should be two months income. Well, that wasn't any problem for me, okay? <laughs> they wouldn't sell me a ring that was two months income. But I began to look, and, and I just I had, I had no idea about diamonds, but you learn, right? You start figuring out that there's the three C's, right? What is that? Cut, color, and clarity, right? And I decided, you know, I don't care how big it is. I just want it to have high cut, color, and clarity. I just want it to be quality, because that's just who we are, you know? We're not big, we're not flashy, but I want it to be pure, and I just began, you know, and it was, a, it was a challenge. I mean, they'd hold that thing up and I'd see a little bit of something in there. No, 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 I don't want that one. And so we had to go smaller, but her ring is beautiful and it always has been. And there's something about it that just sparkles above it, some of the others that I've seen, even that are bigger. And she's, she's cherished it. She really has. We still have the same one. I've changed the band out and things like that over time, but she cherishes it. She loves it. And it's because there's a purity about it. You know, it's not made from a bunch of different things. You know, it's just a pure diamond. It wasn't expensive, but it just represents something. And purity, what that is, is to be singular in substance without any imperfections or impurity. And I, I think about our lives and I think about some of the flaws and the imperfections and I've got them, you've got them. There's no doubt, but God has made us to be pure. In Matthew 5, 8, he talks about this, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Being pure is be, the ability to be able to, to be in his presence, to see him, to see his works. And he makes us that way by his grace. But that's good news. So a man of integrity has a pure heart. Doesn't mean he doesn't make mistakes, but there is a, a pure well that, that he draws from. You know what I'm talking about. You've seen it, you've seen the purity, and then you know when someone's impure, you can see the impurity, you can see the corruption, and it, it, it doesn't feel the same when you're around that person, right? Then you have a contrite heart. A contrite heart is to be humble and repentant before God. Humble, repentant, being able to be broken, contrite. In Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. You know, many times I'll walk with a family who's in the midst of a crisis and, you know, they're losing a loved one. You know, there's, there's all these different things we've been facing even recently where they're watching their loved one suffer, watching their loved one die. And the thing I always say, and my, one of my go-to things, because I just know it to be true, is that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he's with you now. But he takes that brokenness and he does something amazing in their life. And I've seen it. I've seen people go through tragedy and suffering and then when they get out of it, there's a contrite heart, a purity that you know, wasn't there before and they're growing through the challenges that they're facing. If you're going through something, or even if your life is really, really great, to have a contrite heart, to be broken before the Lord, to be open to his work is a valuable character, a good characteristic of being a godly man. The next one is a fear of God, which brings a sense of reverence towards God. I've heard people don't, they don't understand this one. You know, they come to Christianity new and that might be you and you say, fear of God, we're supposed to fear him? 
You know, does that mean that we're afraid of him? Not exactly. Doesn't mean you, you run and you hide because you're afraid. What it means is you have this awe and this healthy reverence of who God is. I see a lot of Christians that live their lives however they want to live it. And, and, and they think grace is just going to cover my sins. I can live however I want to live. I can live for the world and it's not going to matter because I know I have grace and I know where I'm going and I'll be in heaven one day when I get there. That lack of fear, healthy fear in their life towards God and how not walking with him can affect your life is tormenting so many people and they're missing out on God's best for them because they don't have that fear. So maybe today that's what you need to ask. Is God restoring me the fear, the awe, the reverence of following you? The next one is faithful. Qualities of good character is to be faithful, steadfast, dedicated, dependable, and worthy of trust, remaining true to the Lord and his word through discouragement and difficulty, as well as joy and success. In Revelation chapter two, it talks about this. It says, do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as a victor's crown. Now he's speaking of future events. We don't know if that's in our lifetime or not. I know a lot of people feel like we're getting closer and closer to that. But the truth is, we're gonna be persecuted for our faith. There are gonna be times where it is either inconvenient or will cost you something for following Jesus Christ. But we're to be faithful to him. And it starts with the little things, and then it works up to the big things. When I was, uh, I guess it's almost been, uh, almost 20 years ago, um, I guess it's been like 18 years ago, I worked at Chili's, and uh, it, was a, it was a fun job, one of my first jobs in surface. I think, you know, every, you know, young man needs to have a job in service of some sort. It, it teaches you a lot. But I worked with a lot of employees, uh, fellow servers, and it was like a frat house. I mean, this person's sleeping with this person, this is going on. I was dating Meredith at the time, and there was all kinds of temptations. Uh, no joke, there was a girl who walked up to me, and she said, you and I would make beautiful babies. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like, who, it, what, get behind me, Satan. I didn't say that to her face, but I was thinking it, okay? And, and there was all these opportunities for the flesh. There was all these opportunities. I mean, she wasn't a, someone who was bad looking, but if I would have fallen into that, think about how different my life would have become. And I'm so glad I didn't. And there were little things, little opportunities too. Like the servers were given these little cups in the back room and you could get soda to keep you going uh, during a tough shift, but you weren't allowed to get the milkshakes. That was it. That was a little thing. And I had a friend who was working with me and he's like, just get a milkshake. You know, they're so good. You haven't had, well, you know, just get the cup, put it under the milkshake part, get you a milkshake. It doesn't cost the chilies anything to do this, right? It's, it's pennies to them. And, it, and it, it's so good, you need to do it. And they're like soups, you know, little soup, you know, get some soup, you weren't allowed to do that, but it'll hold you over. And I just said no. And he just kept saying, why? It doesn't cost them anything, it only costs pennies. And I said, well, I'm not gonna trade my integrity for pennies. You know, 
If that's, if that's all, all it costs, then why would I do that? And then the bigger thing of trading my integrity to, to go after a temporary lust of the flesh, how that could have changed the whole trajectory of my life. And I've carried that in business, and I've worked for some really ungodly people, and I uh, worked for one right now. <laughs> hey! <clears throat> no, I've had, uh, I've, had some, I've had some ungodly employers who would want me to sell a certain way or do things a certain way, and I couldn't stand it. Like, it would just crush me in spirit, and I had to get out from underneath it. And none of those things lasted because that's just not who I am. That's not who you are. As you go down that road and you, you give in to the, well, that's only pennies, that's only dollars. Oh, that's just, you know, I have tax evasion. Whatever it is, you can go down that road very, very quickly, and we have to be very, very careful. So being faithful, steadfast, dedicated, dependable. The next one is obedience. Submission to the instructions of an authority is what obedience is. You look at 1 John and it talks about having this love for God, being obedient. You look at 1 Samuel 15. It says, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? Obedience is worth more than sacrifice. So many times we can think that we're living for the Lord if we just sacrifice, 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 when the Lord may just be requiring obedience. Did he ask you to do the thing that you did? We need to be sensitive to the Lord, listening to him and obeying him as he leads us. The next one is to be a servant of the Lord. Remember, our commander in chief is Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's who he is. He's the commander in chief. We respond to him. We are his servants. We have so many great servants of the house of God, this church. Uh, you know, it's one thing I just love about our church. We have so many people that have this heart of service, so many men. I think it's, I mean, I've been to some churches, trust me. What we have here is special. The willingness to say whatever it is, I'm gonna do it. I wanna do it, I wanna serve. Give me a place, give me a position, give me something to do. Knowing the commander in chief is the Lord, we're working for the Lord, you're not working for the pastors, you're not working for, you know, you're working for the Lord, that's your service. You're serving the church. That's quality of a good character. So how do you have this good character? Practically, you know, we've talked about it. We've talked about being, you know, yielding to the Lord. We've talked about, you know, allowing the Holy Spirit, you know, to have access to our hearts and our lives, to follow him in obedience. But let's talk about a heart that's centered on, you know, being available for God's use. And we're finished. The first thing we need to do is set your heart. Set your heart on the Lord. Second Chronicles talks about all the tribes of Israel setting their heart towards him as they go through the wilderness. Then yield your heart. Yielding your heart, Joshua talks about throwing away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your heart to the Lord. That's pausing, that's like seeing a yield sign, slowing down, yielding and saying, God, here's my heart. What do you want to do with it? The next one is cleanse your heart. And you can read the first Samuel passage later, but he talks about getting rid of the idols in your heart and in your life. I could really expound upon that. But we, what we really want to do is cleanse our heart to, to give access to the Lord, to cleanse us of all the things that we've elevated and put in place of him. 
to focus on him. The next one is guard your heart, Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart from everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Your actions, your behavior, the words that you speak, the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. Guard your heart. And the last one is don't harden your heart. Hebrews 3.8, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness. Don't harden your heart. I've hardened my heart. I've done that, and I, I, can, I can look back at the times that I've done that, and my whole, your life will change, and it'll tank quicker than you can ever imagine. Because when you harden your heart towards the Lord, your actions, your behavior, your integrity, your character, all of those things just begin to fall to the wayside and you head down a different path. You begin to walk away from God instead of towards God. And a lot of times we do it because of life circumstances. Maybe we do it because we want pleasure. Don't harden your heart. We gotta set our heart, yield your heart, cleanse your heart, guard your heart, and don't harden your heart. These are the qualities of a good character. This is how we do it. And we're gonna spend the next 30 minutes. You've got plenty of time. We've got some great questions for you. And I want you to discuss these things. How can we be men of good character following after him? Let's pray first. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want you to take a moment between you and the Lord to allow everything that you've heard just to settle in. And I want you to say, God, what are you saying to me today? Open up your heart to him. Open up your life. God, I thank you for each man in this room. Lord, I thank you for the work that you're doing in their lives. May they not forget what they look like. May they not forget who they are in you. May they have hearts that are set apart, that are yielded, cleansed, guarded, and soft before you. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.